Have you ever felt unstoppable in your drive, but you still feel chained back and held back by your self-doubt? Like why do the most driven people often sabotage their own success? That is exactly the mystery we're going to solve for you today. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful, the only show that reveals the true nature of success. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Dr. Doug Brackman. Today's episode is for every high achiever who has ever had that, that haunting internal sense that you're just not enough. Like if you've ever wondered why you have have that, you know, despite all of the the boxes that you've checked, all the accomplishments that you have, why you sometimes still feel like you're holding yourself back. Well, you're in the right place because today we're going to be talking about this with Dr. Doug Brackman. This guy holds two PhDs in psychology, and he has dedicated his life to just really unraveling that mystery behind self-sabotage, failing despite all of the reasons why we have to succeed, that internal battle that highly driven people really deal with. And his website is actually called I Am Driven. That's the name of his podcast. I was a guest on his podcast a while back. And today we're going to be talking about from the boardroom to the locker room, CEO desk to, to you know putting your foot on the line as a starting as an athlete, all these mindsets of high performers, of driven people. We're going to be talking about that. Nobody understands this more, I think, than Dr. Doug Brackman, as you'll see from our conversation today. He really understands this unique tension, this tension between having this high, high level of drive but also this doubt that can creep in and how that holds you back and really how to unlock that and unlock your true potential. So we do a deep dive into how to master your physiology, how to master your mindset, how to unlock states of flow and really break those those chains of self-imposed limitation and self-sabotage. So who do you know that would love this episode? Who do you know that listens to podcasts like this, you know, reads books like this, loves to have conversations about performance and being driven and success and failure and everything in between, let them know, give this episode a share. This is episode number 431 of the Success Through Failure podcast. Thank you for sharing. All right, here we go. My interview with Dr. Doug Brackman. You've got a fascinating background. Your career began working in a rehabilitation facility, treating addiction and anxiety and depression how does understanding the psychology behind addiction, how does that inform the work that you do today in helping your clients achieve success? So we, and I do mean we, you included, have the addictive wiring and genetic kind of gift and curse of uh, a very select, about 8-10% of human beings have a very different set of genetics. And we are wired for really a, a much harder, difficult world. And back in 1991, when I entered graduate school, um, whatever anybody says as a psychologist, all psychologists get into psychology to figure out their own crap. And so I was in it to figure out what I am and how I work. And so struggling with early addictions, I'm a high school dropout, lived in a car, blew my life up early and figured out very quickly that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so I went back into grad school and in 91, 
I mean, if you remember back, we, we had pagers and I had a PC, a 486 processing computer, and I went to grad school with. So it was a very different world. <laughs> we had just cracked the human genome and a Time Magazine article came out that they found the alcoholism genes. And very quickly they discovered, that was the dopamine receptor number two that they were looking at. Very quickly, they discovered that it was also related to high performers, also related to gambling addiction and all kinds of addictive qualities. And in the intervening three years now, we have discovered very much that genetics, it's not nature versus nurture anymore. The answer is yes, it is both nature and nurture. So we do have an underlying genetic gift, you know, that propels us to feel like there's always something missing or wrong in the world. And that tends to make high performers, if you choose to believe that, you know, the next success will lead to getting rid of this feeling of not enough. And so it's a, it's, it is the rocket fuel behind most of, I'm sure most of your listeners and most of what we are. So it's interesting to hear that this connection between addiction and high performance and being driven is genetic. I interviewed a guy named Charlie Engel back in episode 213. So the listeners might be interested in, in listening to that episode. Well, Charlie has a, a horrible sort of addiction story. I mean, just hit rock bottom and decided to go for a run one day. And, and he's pretty much never stopped running. I mean, he ran across the Sahara Desert. I mean, this guy's just done incredible feats. It's just a new addiction. And he admits it. Like, it's this new addiction that he has. I wonder, you know, what separates somebody like you and me? Like, I, I, I've never been addicted to drugs. But what it sounds like is I have the capacity to be potentially addicted to drugs or something, right? I'm addicted to hard work and stuff like that. Like, what's the line there? What's the separator? Is it life experience? Is there another factor here too that separates that? Like trauma, potentially? Yes. It is incredibly complex. But what is addiction and, you know, consequences? And, you know, and as I always joke with all my clients, you know, because we are wired for addiction, choose your addictions wisely, but choose them. Otherwise, they'll choose you. <laughs> so that ability to have insight into the consequences of your addiction. And, you know, as, a, as I always joke, a recovering Ironman triathlete, Ironman for 10 years. And those are neurochemicals that I became addicted to. They were just, you know, released in my body by intense exercise. And the consequences, you know, I have hip issues and knee issues at 55 and is the consequence of the addiction outweighing the benefit. And that's the classic model of addiction. And, you know, my early, early addiction and, you know, profoundly grateful. And this leads into my doctoral research and really, you know, what I'm hoping this conversation gets into was this awareness that I was not in control of myself any longer with my addictions. And so at 16, I discovered how to freebase cocaine, which is what blew up Richard Pryor. And this was mid eighties. And, you know, it's a liquid ether and cocaine freeze the base and then you smoke it. And it is profoundly addicting and I could not stop. And so who's really in control of me? And that led into my doctoral dissertation about self-sabotage and, 
And again, this was back in the mid 90s and we didn't have the functional MRI like we do now. We didn't really understand who's in control of the human being. And so for an addictive person like I am, which feels like there's the dopamine receptors that I'm gifted with, dopamine receptor number two is boredom. And most people, 95% of the world, don't experience boredom. They don't know what it feels like to feel lazy. And so I'm sitting on the couch and God, I just feel lazy. I, 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 I need to get out. I need to go do something. And I, you know, corner most of my understanding of Dribbins as, you know, with the hunter farmer theory that 5,000 years ago, most of the human species adapted to this boring, predictable, safe agricultural world where we have the hunting genetics where we very quickly, if we're stuck in the cave for too long, feel like there's something missing or wrong. Where if farmers felt that, they would get away from their crops. If we didn't feel that, we'd never get out of the cave and go survive. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. I mean, I, I would argue that a lot of people do feel like there's something missing or wrong, maybe driven even more so. So maybe there's just this, this sort of leftover wiring from those days when not everybody quite made the transition fully to farmer, right? And sitting around being bored. And, and some people are, I guess, okay with that. But I, I do feel like a lot of the population feels like there's something missing, something wrong. And I don't know that this conversation has the bandwidth to go into that, but I do feel like we as humans are, all of us, none of us are supposed to be sitting around looking at a screen all day in one room, you know, just doing what we do is not much. Maybe the listeners can attest, but it, you know, my running joke is I'm unemployable. I cannot sit in a eight by eight cubicle and look at a computer screen you know, returning TPS reports. I just can't do it. It makes me insane because it feels so unlike what I'm wired to be, where most of the human population can do that. They can do it. I think most of them aren't happy about it. They still feel like something's wrong. Maybe you and I couldn't do that, right? Maybe are un unemployable. And that goes into this, the conversation around who's really in control of me. Because, you know, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, this was way before the ADD, ADHD world, you know, medication and all that. And I was just a restless kid. And, you know, I had to poke the guy next to me. And that impulsive kind of way of being in the world is the underlying genetic gift that I have, that I have to. I don't have a choice in this drivenness for more dopamine. And, you know, when I'm somewhere between mile 14 and 16 and an Ironman on the run, all of that seems to go away. And I seem to be in this amazing flow state where I'm doing and achieving and experiencing a sense of presence and wholeness. That is what I became profoundly addicted to. And... From the outside looking in, that's crazy, you know, and I always joke about, you know, particularly those of us that are driven, we live in bubbles. 
You want to go see what normal is, go averages, go stand in line at Walmart. That's normal. <laughs> that is, go look at Disneyland, go look at the line at Disneyland. And, you know, this this terrible fear that I'm going to be average, as Kenneth Blum said, one of the early researchers in this, we, he coined it reward deficiency syndrome. That no matter what we do, we always feel like we could have done it better. And so that drivenness and that this, you know, my doctoral dissertation led into self-sabotage, led into this understanding about, you know, why does January suck at the gym for those of us that are gym rats? Because everybody who temporarily feels as, yeah, I got to get in shape and I got to, you know, January, it's packed. But what happens by February? And that's what, you know, I just did this slide for a presentation by February 14th. 78% of people don't remember their New Year's resolutions. And so they go back to sleep. They're comfortable with average. I am in the gym, you know, watching that, you know, it pisses me off, but then it's back to normal. And I'm, I'm still in the gym in February, March, April, May, June, July, because I have to be. And so, you know, if you've got these genetics and you're listening to this show, there's nothing wrong with you, but you are different. <laughs> we are different. But who's in control in this, you know, success through failure podcast is, is really about what does success mean? And what does it mean for me? You know, and that's my imposter syndrome, which is something I have been plagued with and why I have, I actually have two PhDs, which is stupid. That's ridiculous. I mean, it is. And, you know, trying to get rid of this feeling of not feeling smart enough hoping that I would achieve something in the outer world to get rid of an inner world experience. Yeah. So you, you, you get one PhD and, and boy, maybe there's still some gaps in my game. I can't, you know, can't let people see that. I've got to get another PhD. So you get another PhD. Do these achievements change anything for you? They don't get rid of this underlying inner ache that there's still something more that I could do. And that underlying inner ache is the gift. If you harness it, if it runs you, it is making decisions for you. That is where addiction comes in and you can destroy your body. And it led into my doctoral research about really who's in charge of me. And we have two operating systems. We got one, you know, the, the belief system up between the ears, that's so the brain. And the Buddha called it the monkey mind. And it can imagine unbelievably successful worlds. They can imagine standing on the podium and imagine how great it's going to feel. But then we have another operating system down below the nose. And its goal is very different than the one between the ears. The one down below the nose wants the familiar world. This is like it, what you always say below the nose is this heart feeling gut. Whole body. The brain is between the ears. The mind is from the top of the head to the tip of the toes. And so when people talk about mindset, it's really about body set. Can you experience success in the body? And can you, you know, visualization and all of those tricks and tools that all the sports psychologists, which I am a big proponent of, being able to really feel what it's going to feel like. And that lottery winners is a great example because, you know, I do this on stage with people. What, what would it feel like to win the lottery? Oh, it would be amazing. Really? Who's the first one of your family members that's going to call you and ask for money? 
how's that going to feel? And you're like, oh, <laughs> and so the reality versus the fantasy, how will it really feel to, to, to win the state champions? Oh, it'll be amazing. Will it? And so it's seeing how the difference between what's happening between your ears and the reality of winning. Yeah. And also just the belief that you can win. Like you can believe it at a logical level, you know, at the brain, but, but in the mind, the rest of the body, do you actually believe and feel that this thing can happen? And I think that's the real disconnect. There's the logical brain. Sure, of course, I know that logically I can do that thing because I've seen other people do it. I see them you know, on the internet. I see them on TV, whatever. I can do that thing because I have the same skill set or I can acquire those skills. It's the rest. It's the other part that if you don't connect that, it doesn't happen. And, and I know that from experience. You and I talked about this when I was on your podcast. For the listeners, I was on Doug's podcast called I Am Driven, and we talked about this. But I went through, through a lot of years of wrestling where I was failing, and I knew at a logical level that I could succeed, but it wasn't until I believed at an emotional level that I could succeed. And I want you to maybe dissect this a little bit, Doug. I still had the desire to succeed, to get onto the podium at the national championships. But at the same time, I also let go of that. And when I let go of it, it almost maybe allowed, gave permission to my body, my mind, my everything else to actually go and perform at that level and bring my full being to a competition. Or for the listener, it might be a interview, a sales presentation, whatever it might be, a conversation that you have, tough conversation you have to have. Whenever you can separate those two or even connect them, it, you know, it's a kind of a weird way to think about it. Like, how does that happen? Why does that happen, Doug? Yeah, so this, you are encapsulating in a question, 35 years of research and study and basically my life. And it is... You know, beliefs are simple and I call beliefs, you know, this, I believe it in my head, but do you know it in your knower? And that knowing in your body, do you really know it? Do you know you can win? And that's where visualization comes from. Like you can create that momentarily in your body, that feeling that you can then carry into the competition or the sales presentation or whatever. It is meditation. I mean, then I'm big understanding of meditation, but meditation is not trying to relax. It has nothing to do with that. What meditation truly is, is experiencing the present moment. And if you can visualize how, how will it feel to stand on a podium? How will it feel to close a million dollar deal? The answer is, I don't know. I don't have a clue. Well, put yourself there and how will it feel? And well, it's going to feel great. Is it? And it's that, is it curiosity that allows the body, allows this physiological central nervous system to be met with curiosity and then open up the possibilities that it might not be that great. So it might be that, but the, I don't know how it's going to be. I want to explore that a little bit. Like, you know, whenever I achieve my goal, I visualize it, you know, I'm just going back to the sort of sports analogy here because I think that's sort of the most easy one to metaphor to, to use here. It was amazing. Like when I achieved that, it, I visualized it and it was amazing and I'm still really grateful for that experience. 
And I do the same thing in my, I visualize myself doing what we're doing right now. When I had a full-time job, nine to five, doing jobs that I didn't necessarily want to do, weren't terrible jobs, I wasn't digging ditches or anything, but I visualized doing this now and I visualize it being amazing and it is amazing. Sometimes I forget how amazing it is and I go, wait a second, you could be doing that other thing again. I'm like, oh, this is actually really freaking cool. It's the contrast between what I expected to be versus the reality of it. And I worked, you know, for years and years with pro golfers and how will it feel, Jordan Speed, to make a seven foot putt and win 10, 10 million bucks? Oh, it's going to be great. Are you sure? Well, it's probably going to feel just like any other putt I've ever made. Yeah, it will. Exactly. You've done this putt 10,000 times. It's nothing new. You know how to do this. Yeah, but it's a win. No, it's no different than anything else you've ever done. And so it's that possible. Oh, I, I, I know I can do that. Yeah, but the 10, well, the $10 million doesn't exist for the body. That only exists in your head. And the million dollar clothes, no, that only exists in your head. The body is just doing what it already knows how to do. How do you close a $10 million deal or whatever it is? You connect with the person you're trying to sell to. You stop trying to sell and you connect and you're there and you're present and you're in your really trying to help mode something you've already done 10,000 times. We'll just do that again and see what happens. Yeah, but my head thinks, yeah, exactly. Your beliefs are getting in the way of your win. And that, that ability to discern that and feel into the difference that I've already done this. This is nothing new. And that's my joke about, you know, golfers is their body knows how to go and hit a 62 any day of the week. And it's their head that gets in the way. And so surrender, and you said giving permission, giving yourself permission for this to be easy. For the listener who's sitting there saying, yeah, but I, I don't, you know, I'm not competing on a golf course or a wrestling mat or anything. Like, how does this really apply to me? I wake up and, you know, kids and work and life. It's just kind of a bunch of busyness for me. I really want to get to that next thing. I maybe don't even know what that next thing is, but I kind of, I want more out of my life. I want to make more money. I want the bigger house, the better car, the whatever it might be. How is this relevant to them? What I do with all of my clients is teach them that they really don't know how their life feels. That's first and foremost. And the, the, you know, the struggle we're in just to get by for most of us, and particularly if you're driven, it really isn't that big of a struggle. It really isn't. And, you know, being able to appreciate the mundane, being able to really feel into this is your life you're living. Today is not preparation for some other day. This is your life. Yeah, but I need to do more. And that contrast, well, this kind of sucks because I'm not doing enough. No, that's not true. How does it feel to live your life? And I did a you know French toast making meditation for a four-year-old and a three-year-old. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, that sucks. No, it's amazing. And it's screaming kids and you didn't cut the cuts crust right and you did, you did. But the whole catastrophe is amazing. Well, it would be better, and you did it with contrasting, well, I'm in a shitty nine-to-five job and it sucks. What sucks about it? 
well, I'm not in control of my own life. Oh, I need to be in control of my own life. That's going to be wonderful. I'm going to have so much more freedom. And that's true. And how does that feel? And if you can get your body to actually experience that new truth that I don't want to be, I don't want to have a boss. Oh, that's awesome. But what else is it going to be? Holy crap. I don't have a boss. Holy crap. I'm responsible for all of it now. And you can feel into the reality of it. And, you know, coming back to, you know, how do you prepare for change is you feel your way through it and you're open to the, the good and the bad, the whole, the wholeness of the experience. And it, it allows you to get out of your expecting head that's ruining everything and really feel into the possibility. And, you know, I know how to manage money. Do you? And if you don't have a boss and you don't get a W-2 check anymore, it's like, you better really figure out how to manage money. Well, how does it feel to manage money? Well, scary. Is it? No, it's math. Oh, and so you're able to actually bring the real, the knower along for the ride. And, you know, self-sabotage and why January sucks at the gym is because everybody is expecting, you know, this, this new gym body to occur overnight. No, it's hard. It sucks. Week three, week four, getting back into shape is terrible. If you expect that and you know it and you actually are experiencing that along the way, it, the contrast between how you thought it was going to be and how it really is becomes much more doable and much more achievable. And it, this, you know, practice makes perfect. No, practice makes it familiar. And practice that familiar then allows you just to do what I'm just, all I got to do is do what I've always done. And if you do it in incremental improvements, Eventually, you'll start to win. <laughs> you will. And it is a, it's a very different way of actually looking at the way human beings work in the world. It, it sounds like what's underneath all of this is kind of back to the basics of mindfulness and gratitude. Is that right? I mean, these key underpinnings of what you teach? Very much. Yeah, where mindfulness is, you know, I always... In the West here, you know, the mind is its bodyfulness. It's really the experiencingness of it, where you're not watching the experience, you're having the experience. And then gratitude, gratitude practice is something essential because what gratitude does is opens you up to what you're not seeing. And we as human beings, you know, we're a fear-based monkey. And so we always are looking for the snakes. And if you're scared, your body's full of fear, you will see snakes. That's all you'll see. Gratitude is what am I not seeing? And you open up, you know, there are a lot of sticks here. And there's a lot of things that aren't even snakes. And, and so then your body starts to experience reality more. And, you know, that experiencing the reality of it. It's an old Zen joke that if once you... If you ever truly experience reality, you wind up as a crying just mess because you're so overwhelmed with the amazement of just being alive. Yeah. You know, I think of this often whenever you think about something that you lose. And I'm thinking about a particular family member who lost somebody very, very close to her. And if you could just have that person back for a day, the overwhelming joy that would come would be incredible. We had that person prior to that for a day and we weren't joyful then, right? And I think about that now, like all of these things that we take for granted, 
you know, people and things. I, I'm, I pulled up my journal as, as we were talking here. I, I'm in the middle with, with my clients, my whole community of clients. We're doing a, a challenge right now. And every, you know, everybody sort of designs their own challenge. There's all these great challenges out there, you know, whole 30 and uh, 75 hard. But it's like, well, we create one specifically for everybody creates their own. And for me, we, you know, one of the things that I do is I write down three things I'm grateful for every morning. And today I wrote down clean water. Pretty freaking amazing. There are a lot of people in this world who would love to have clean water, heat and air conditioning, a comfortable home. Pretty amazing, really, when you think about it, right? Um, and then friends, just old and new friends. Like, my goodness. And, and that little, just small, tiny dose of gratitude just changes the course of your day and your mindset. And there is a, there's just a ripple effect of that. And, and so for the listener, like, that you actually have to do the stuff to make it work. And teaching all of my clients, and, the, and we have such a cortisol addiction, particularly driven people. You know, we're wired for a harder world. And we make our world so hard compared to most. And we do hard shit. That's where we feel most alive. And I don't want to give up my fear because it's the thing that's driving me. And it's actually the, the opposite of all of my research. And that, that came out of my doctoral dissertation is that when you open yourself up to the newness of gratitude and appreciation and all of these things, wins become easier because you're more than just expecting, you're anticipating the good feelings and the path to the good feeling becomes much more obvious. What you need to work on becomes much more obvious. And it is, as you say it, the mindset, the body set changes and throughout the day, then you, you will notice more things that you're grateful for, that you normally are tuning out. And, you know, the habit becomes infectious. And while I won't work as hard as I used to, true, but your efficiency goes through the roof and your successes go up. And all my clients, it takes about a year or two to really break this, this fear-based driven habit. But once you do, then, you know, better has no finish line. And you can really launch your world into something better. So for the listener who's all in on this, they're bought in, they're saying, okay, now what? What do I do, Doug? Maybe it's something they can do in the next 24 to 48 hours, or maybe it's a habit or a routine to install into their lives. What's actionable here? So the simplest trick that I teach people is to discern. And so being able to figure out, well, that's my monkey mind. There's my belief system, you know, judging and thinking and da, 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 da. And being able to feel and contrast that to actually the body. And very simply, you know, the gratitude practice is, is fantastic. Meditation is what I teach. And I start everybody at a one minute, five breath meditation in the morning. Because your monkey mind will very quickly go, I don't need to do that. Forget it. It's not that important. And try to actually talk you out of it. And being able to see that my cold plunge and I do all these things to really not let that part of me control me. And, you know, what do I do instead is I remember to take a breath and really anchor myself into the body and feel the experience in the present moment. And why is that so important? And how does that change the rest of your life? 
is because the thing that's living in your head, this, this judging, constant chattering is always driven by fear. Always. That's a problem solver designed to solve problems that are fear-based. And so you'll, you'll miss your life. More importantly, you'll set expectations and never meet them. You'll never feel like this, a success. You'll never actually feel reality. And so being able to just, you know, a simple one word gratitude practice, come up with a, you know, what am I grateful for? Water. And you will hear your head, oh, that's stupid. And you take the breath in and really think about a glass of really good, clean water and swallowing. And how does that feel in the body? It's like, oh, that is good. And that will change the rest of your day because it's priming the body. It's, you know, availability <laughs> heuristic, it's called, where the body is actually cued then to actually notice things that it's been tuning out. And your kids love this. Your wife loves this. The people around you love this because you, then you're much more likely to meet them with that same curiosity and, and experience them. Doug, this is incredible. For the listener who wants to learn more, go deeper on this, where can they find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, buy your book, et cetera? Yeah, so everything Dr. Doug is imdriven.com. Yeah, Megan and I, Megan, my co-host, she was number one pick for volleyball, six foot four. <laughs> She's Ohio State. We talk about all this stuff. And then I got a new book coming up, my old, you know, the Driven, uh, Understanding and Harnessing the Genetic Gifts of Navy SEALs, Entrepreneurs, professional athletes and maybe you available on audio you can get the first three chapters i think free on my on my website and then uh i got a new book coming out in april that i'm excited about so things are things are cooking yeah yeah all right well we'll keep an eye for the book doug thank you for the insights thank you for the time appreciate what you're doing in the world thanks brother it's fun thanks for listening if you want to apply these principles into your life Let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.